0: Amen. I think I could sing that song every day for the rest of my life. Man, I love that one. Hey, before I jump into the message this morning, I want to uh, make a little announcement. On Wednesday nights right now, I have the great privilege of meeting with about 52 or three girls for a mentoring class. I think we have a picture of them up here. Oh, you can't see it too well, but I realized in doing that on Wednesday nights that we have a lot of students who have other things on Wednesday nights, and so I'm uh, going to do a seven-week mentoring class on Monday nights beginning at the end of February, and ladies, if that's something that you think you might be interested in, I'd love to have you join me tonight for just a 20-minute meeting that we'll have upstairs in the prayer loft prayer loft right here at the chapel, so um, I'd love to have you come and see what it's all about. It really is one of the highlights of my week that I get to do this, and so I'd love to have you consider coming with me. Um, Before I jump into the message, I want to tell you a story of something that happened to me, and there's a part of me that can't believe I'm telling you this, but it fits so well that I'm going to. When John and I realized that we were going to be staying in Indiana, here at Indiana Wesleyan for a while, I knew I had to get my Indiana driver's license test. And so this summer, I decided it was time to get that. And I was a little nervous about it. And John said to me, Patty, do you think that perhaps you ought to look at the manual a little bit? And I said, well, you know, I, I, I maybe, but... I I got my license in Indiana when I was 16 years old. I got my license in Illinois uh, years later and then even moved into Iowa for a short time. And so I got my Iowa license, too. And I'm feeling pretty confident about this. So I breezed through the manual just briefly and went in on a Monday, I think it was this summer, and... uh, Met the person who was going to take my picture and got to know her a little bit and met the other lady that uh, was helping me to, you know, you have to fill out stuff. And so um, I filled those things out with her and got to talk with her a little bit. They called my number a little bit later and I went over to take the Indiana driver's license test and I sat down and I started typing, enter, typing, enter, typing, enter. And I thought, whoa, this is a little harder than I expected. Huh, maybe I should have check that manual out a little bit more, but I'm okay with this, and got to question 36. Hit enter, and on my screen came up this thing saying, we're sorry you have failed the Indiana driver's license test. I went, what? Out loud. What? Like, me? I was so embarrassed, and so I went over to... Lori that I met and to Susan that I met, and I said, guys, I, 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 I flunked it. I'm so embarrassed. And they said, oh, don't worry about it, Patty. It's okay. Um, a lot of people flunk this test. It's known to be kind of difficult. And I went, whoa. They said, come back tomorrow. I said, okay. So I went home, and, and that night I went online, and I got the manual for the Indiana driver's license test, and I perused it a little bit more. I thought, you know, they're really serious when they say that you need to know the, the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? the signs. So I looked at the sites a little bit more and went back the next day and talked to Susan and talked to Lori and got to know Jill because she kind of got in on this now and we were chatting about it. And they called my number and I went over and sat down at the computer and I'm a little more confident today because I would paid a little bit more attention to it and so I'm up past question 36. I got to question 50 and hit enter and a screen appeared before me and it said, we're sorry you have failed the Indiana driver's license test. what to do about this. I was humiliated. I can't believe I'm telling you about it. I went over to Jill and to Susan and to Lori or whoever, what her name was, and I said, you guys, I, 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 I flunked it again. They said, I know we saw that, Patty. <laughs> I said, um, I, I, I have to admit, guys, I had to let it drop a little bit that I'm an educated person. I kind of let it slip a little bit that I've got a college degree. I've got a master's degree, and i am embarrassed to tell you that. I could speak probably about self-image issues, but I just had to tell them. And I said, oh, I, I don't know what to do about this. They said, well, you know, go home and study that test or study that driver's manual test. I said, oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. So that night, I went home, and I got online and I studied the Indiana Driver's License Manual, and I studied it until midnight. You can take um, sample tests. I took the test. I took six of them. I went back and took it again. I took a couple of the tests to become a truck driver. <laughs> I just was committed to knowing what that driver's manual said, and so I went back the next day, and I You know, they're all saying hi to me and how you doing and they're sympathizing with me. And so they called my number and I went over to the computer and I sat down praying, dear God, please help me. Got to question 36, got to question 46, got to question 50 and I hit enter and a screen appeared in front of me. And it said, congratulations, you passed the Indiana State driver's license test. And I went, I know I did that. I was like, oh, thank you. I went over to jill i said jill i did it and she said i know and she's high-fiving me and i went over to Lori. i said jill i made or Su- uh, lori and susan i made it and they go i know they were like high-fiving and they were just shouting they were so excited and i'm thinking <laughs> all the other people in that driver's license room going what in the world is going on why are they so excited for the 65 year old woman who got her driver's license i was i'm i'm telling you for a month Every day, 10 times a day, I'd go, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you that I got to study that manual, I could remember that manual, and I could take that test, and I could pass it. Well, like I said, I'm a little amazed that I'm willing to tell you that test, because I have to admit, when I flunked it twice, I thought, I will never tell anybody this, I won't even tell John, and I end up telling 3,000 people. Because it fits so well with what I want to talk to you today about. I want to talk to you about another manual, this manual for life. You may or may not remember it, but when John spoke at the first chapel of 2017, he said that this semester we're periodically going to take times (coughs) where we're going to um, look at spiritual disciplines that will help us better know the way of God. And today I get to take the first one. On how to engage the word. This manual for life. And I can tell you guys, I am thrilled that I get to do this because one of the greatest passions of my life is to help people figure out how to engage God's word. I have found that so often people treat this manual the way I did the Indiana State, Dri- State Driver's License Manual. It's like, I think I can handle on my own thank you very much I think I can do this I think I can get what I need through worship through prayer through passion 17 all wonderful wonderful things but we tend to think I can do life without this manual Because see the devil and culture have sold us a lie they have told us that we don't really need this manual it's too boring or it's too difficult to understand or it's for spiritual giants But oh, today I am just praying that by the end of chapel, you make a decided decision that God will lift your vision to the place where you will say, I'm going to become a person of this manual. I admit, I really struggled with this message. I wrote it and deleted it and wrote it and deleted it and finally came to the place where I felt like the Lord was just saying, Patty, just share your heart with them. Just share your heart with them. And so really more than a message today, this is going to be a testimony And I want to share with you today three um, actions in my own life that God brought into my life when I was in my 20s that began to shape how I became a person of the Word. I admit that they're so simple that they're almost embarrassing for me to share with you. But I just believe that they are profound. So I want to share with you today how to learn the Word How to love the word and how to live the word and all of you Old Testament survey class people you could have said that yourself couldn't you? How to learn the word, how to love the word and how to live the word. So we start with how to learn the word and we'd all probably say duh huh? Yeah but you know what we're finding? We're finding that students that come to Indiana Wesleyan University don't learn the word before they get here. In fact in the two semesters that I have taught Old Testament survey, I have given a test, an anonymous test, the first week that we have class. <clears throat> I give them 25 questions that I think are really quite easy, questions that I'm assuming that anybody would be able to answer as they, if they've been in church. Because we find that most of our students have been in church, um, most of whom have even been raised by Christian parents, and so I'm thinking this is a quite easy test. Much to my surprise, I have found that 63 To 70% are failing that real basic, easy test. And if you're in one of those classes that I've taught, don't feel too embarrassed because I'm convinced that if I would give that test to many of the adults in your churches, a vast number of them would also flunk it. People aren't learning the Word of God. They feel like I did about the manual. It's just not really that important. So what can change that? How do we become people who learn the Word? I'd suggest something to you that literally changed my own life in this area. I'd suggest to you that you view the Bible as God's primary tool to equip you for life. His primary tool to equip you for life. I clearly remember when this concept became real to me. was in my 20s, and John was able to go away to a conference one week. I couldn't go because I was teaching in the public school, and I was really having kind of a pity party. It was like, boy, Lord, I can't grow. I can't really be all that you want me to be because I can't go to conferences and stuff like that. And somehow, the Spirit of God spoke deep into my heart and said, while John's gone, take your Bible and just really dig into it more. Just really learn more of it as much as you can in a week's time. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do that. During that week, I came on 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. This is where Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, and he says, Timothy, remember how from childhood, from infancy, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. But then he said this, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And then the last phrase leaped off the pages to me as it said so that the person of God, the servant of God, would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I could be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Even if I couldn't go to conferences, if I would devote myself to becoming a student of the Word, I would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so I just did that. And it began a transition time in my life where I said, I'm going to pour into my life into learning the scriptures. It was a defining time in my life because I began to take the first step in really becoming a person of the word. I realized I have to devote my life to learn the word. And I can tell you from that day until now, it's become one of the greatest priorities of my life. And oh, what a difference it has made in my life. I found out that it really did equip me for life. It provided wisdom as I met with people, as I counseled with people, as I worked with people. It provided comfort for me in times of sorrow. It provided motivation in times of stagnation and staleness. It provided conviction for me in times of temptation. It was a tool that began to equip me for every good work one of the things that god did in this whole process is i devoted myself to learning to be a person of the word to learn the word is something that he can do for you i began to be a person who couldn't get enough of the word um i've seen it in my own life and in the lives of other people that when they make the word a priority they crave it more this is not a a very good illustration but you know when somebody starts going on a diet And it feels like, and some people say, your stomach actually shrinks when you go on a diet and you don't need as much food. And then when you start eating food again, your stomach enlarges and you feel like you need more food. It's not a good analogy, but it's a good word picture for me because I think that's what happens with the Word. When you go two days and three weeks and four months without the Word, it's like your spiritual stomach shrinks, and you don't crave it. But when you spend time in it, when you're learning it, it's like your spiritual stomach begins to open up, and you want it more and more. I have to admit to you, I no longer have to worry that I'll go days without the Word because I just crave this Word of God. So question for you, do you want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work? You got to learn the word and God will use it in your life to enable you to be a better nurse, to be a better accountant, to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better parent, to be a better Christ follower. He will equip you for every good work as you become A person who learns the word. That's the first action. Second action, to love the word. Oh, bless you. This is my (laughs) prayer for you. That you would be a person not only who learns the word, but that you get to the place where you love the word. Let me suggest one action that you might take to love it more. And that is if if you view the word of God as his love letter for you. I don't know if you've ever sent a love letter before or if you've ever received a love letter before in the day of all the technology we have today we don't do it as much but let me show you a couple up on the screen who wrote a love letter. That is Arthur Bray, John's dad, and Rachel Bray, both as a young couple, as an older couple. And I have some letters here, a whole envelope from uh, Arthur Bray to Rachel Bray. We found them after the folks had died. And uh, they are so precious to us. In these letters that dad wrote to mom, they had fallen in love and married three months later, but during those three months, they, he wrote her letters. And in these beautiful, beautiful letters, he shares his life with her. He tells her who he is. He tells her his dreams. He tells her um, how much he loves her. And they are just so precious to us, these love letters. Let me show you another picture of somebody who wrote some love letters. This is John Bray. <laughs> in, 19, in 1970, in 1971, John um, we would leave from school from here, and he would. We don't have time to laugh because I only have 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> he would leave from here, and he would go back to Chicago, and I would stay here and work. And of course, that was before we had, you know, we couldn't even talk on the phone very long because it was so expensive, and we couldn't um, do emails and all that kind of stuff or texting. And so he wrote me letters. And in these letters, I mean, I really, really got to know him even better because you say things sometimes on paper that you don't even say face-to-face at first. And he tells me his dreams for our future, and he, he shares his love for me. He tells me more of who he is and who he has been in his past. And these letters are just so precious to me. Now, when I got these letters, do you think that I went, oh, great, another letter. He just wrote me three days ago oh man I'm gonna read this one again I hope he says something interesting no I mean I would take that letter and I'd read it over and over and I would just picture him as he's writing these letters and I would get to know him more deeply and I would fall more in love with him because those love letters revealed John Bray to Patty Sexton hey guys Yahweh reveals to you, Jesus reveals to me who he is in this love letter. And if we would begin opening it, understanding that this is his love letter, where he reveals who he is, he reveals his desires for us, he reveals his plans for us, he reveals his way for us, he reveals how we can live for him, this is God's love letter for his people. And if you and I would begin seeing it more as his love letter, we would stop seeing this as a duty or a chore or a drudgery. And we would come to love this word more and more. We would become like the psalmist who said, the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. He said, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Oh, to read this manual as if it's it's God's love letter to us. My students in Old Testament survey know that one of my favorite quotes from our textbook by Steve Lennox is this one. He says, as you read the word, I want you, I want you to become better acquainted with the loving God whose shadow falls on every page. To become better acquainted with the loving God whose shadow falls on every page as we learn the word and as we watch this loving God whose shadow falls on every page, we find ourselves loving it more. Oh, I encourage you, I challenge you, be a person who learns the word but also ask God if he would give you a deep, deep love for his word but you don't stop there. Third, we gotta live the word. I am convinced to the core of my soul that this is one of the greatest desires God has when it comes to his word, that we allow the word to so deeply indwell us that we begin finding ourselves living it out all the time. It's really easy to read the word for information, but the author wants us to read it for far more, for transformation. I love how pastor and writer John Ortberg says it. God's word must be so strongly fixed in us that it becomes the dominant influence in our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions. That's the word of God shaping us. That's us living out the word. Oh, what if you viewed the word of God as his tool to transform you to look more and more like the savior? It's what the psalmist did in Psalm 119 when he said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I wouldn't even sin against you. I find it amazing to see how God does this, how he takes his word to teach, to rebuke, to correct, to train us in righteousness, and the spirit of the living God indwelling us brings about radical transformation in our lives. This was a life-changing concept to me when I was in my 20s, when a lady named Ruth Ann Polston said, Every time you open the word, God wants to speak to you. So read it until it speaks and then stop and talk to God about what you have just read and ask him to use that word to transform you. I said, okay, I'm going to start doing that. And for 40 years, I have been doing that all the time. If I'm teaching Old Testament survey and I'm studying Hosea, and trying to figure out how to teach Hosea to a class, I say, dear God, you have called Hosea to love someone who had devastated him. Would you help me to be a person that allows your love to so flow through me that I'll love the unlovable? Let me give you an example of how I did this in my journal one day. I was reading Mark chapter 10 where Jesus is telling the disciples that they need to live like servants And it's just a scripture that's so hard to live out that it's easy just to read it over and just to go on to another scripture. But this is what I read and then this is what I wrote. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is what I wrote. Lord, as I read these words in Mark 10, I'm reminded to sit and pray over them rather than to simply read them without internalizing them. It's so easy, Lord, to gloss over these words about serving, to intellectually and philosophically agree with them, but it is so much harder to live by them. You tell me clearly that if I want to be great, I must become a servant, even to the point of being a slave. And as some of my selfishness begins to cry out, but that's not fair. Your next words ring out to me. This is what the Son of Man has done. You, you, my great example, coming to serve and not to be served, to give your life. That was the epitome of unfairness, but you chose to do it because the results were so worth it. But there's no question about it, Lord. I cannot live this life This way on my own. There's no way. To live like this necessitates a true yielding of myself to you. It means I need your cleansing of all of the selfishness that will rear its ugly head and call me to look out for me and want me to be served rather than to serve. Oh, dear Savior, would you, you who alone can get me to the place of living like your true servant, take this life of mine and cleanse it and purify it and fill it until you make me truly your servant." Now, I admit, my friends, that reading the scriptures like this means you get less scriptures. But more scripture gets into you. Listen, far too many Christians know more than what they're living. But taking time to allow the Spirit of God to take the scriptures and bring about transformation in our lives so that we look more and more like our Savior, that's what God's desire is for his people. Learn the word, live the word, love the word. Like I said at the beginning, I know that these are such simple practices, but perhaps they are profound. I know at least they're profound in their results. To find yourself looking more and more like the author of this manual, to find yourself loving the author of this manual, more and more, to find yourself developing greater wisdom all the time because of the power of the word in you. I have a question for you. Do you want to be a strong, mature, deeply yielded person of God, thoroughly equipped for every good work? I have to tell you, if your answer is yes, there's no easy way to get there. It will take effort, it will take focus, it will take discipline, it will take time. My favorite author says it this way, in my creature impatience, I'm often caused to wish that there were some ways to bring modern Christians into a deeper spiritual life painlessly by short, easy lessons, but but such wishes are in vain. No shortcut exists. God has not bowed. To our nervous haste. It is well that we accept the hard truth now. The person who would know God must give time to him. He must count no time wasted, which is spent in the cultivation of his acquaintance. I repeat do you want to be a deep, mature, strong Christian? Oh, so many of you in this room do want that in your life. Then you need to be a person who learns the word and loves the word and lives the word. I know you'll have obstacles i know there'll be busyness and undiscipline that will rear their ugly heads against you i know that there will be setbacks and stumbles and you will not do this overnight but if you make becoming a person of the word one of the greatest priorities of your life you'll look back over three months and you'll say whoa i made a little progress you'll look back over six months and you'll say wow I'm getting better at this. You'll look back over a year and you'll say, I think I'm becoming a person of the word. You'll look back over three years and five years and you'll say, oh, dear God, you're letting it happen in my life. Now, some of you may say, I wish I had more specifics on how to do this. I've written a little booklet that we put online that I would encourage you to, um, to take. You can go online. You can go on chapel portal, the chapel portal page. You can scroll down to Docs, and then you can click on a study of the gospel of John. <coughs> Excuse me. And in this, um, I just have 12 principles that have really shaped my life in becoming a person of the word. I write it as if I'm just sitting talking with you. I encourage you to take this and, and do it with, uh, with a roommate or some sweet mates or do it in a Bible study. But just say, I'm going, to, I'm going to learn some real specifics on how to become a greater person of the word. It is my great desire for you that this happens. So I got my license. Um, I was going to put a picture. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I don't deserve it. I was going to put a picture up on the screen at the end of the message today, and we found out that it's illegal to do that. <laughs> Before we knew it was illegal, they were saying, well, if we did it, we need to blacken out your uh, address and your um, driver's license number, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, no, just blacking out my weight. (laughs) I just thought that was so funny. Um, (laughs) What was I saying? Oh, yeah, so I have my license, and you do too. And these licenses tell us and the cops and everybody else that we have studied the manual so that we can be people who drive on the highway. Oh, guys, will you be people of the word so that you'll be able to know this manual for life. It is my prayer for you. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will so lift our vision for what your word wants to do in us and through us and that you'll so Strengthen us, giving us the discipline that we need. That we'll be able to look back in three months and six months and a year and five years and ten years and say, thank you, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that I'm a person of the word. And I pray for each one of my friends filling this amazing room that you'd help them to learn. Oh, help them to love it and help them to so commit themselves to you and to the, to the word that you're able to help them to live it out every day of their lives. I pray in your holy, precious name. Amen. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.